today's reading. Today's reading is from Luke chapter 21, 25 through 36. There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. On earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on in the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. He told them this parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Be careful, or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life, and that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. For it will come on all those who live on the face of the whole earth. Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all this that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. This is God's word. Morning. Let's pause and pray again. Father, as we approach your word, we ask you to open the ears of the deaf, open the eyes of the blind, open our closed hearts and give us receptivity to your truth. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Amen. This passage that Roger just read, this passage of scripture, is one that is often read in churches on the first Sunday of Advent. It is a portion of a longer discourse that Jesus gave in, in this chapter in which he was prophesying about future events. Like most biblical prophecy, this passage is not easy to understand. Uh, it is describing real events that take place in history, but it does so using lots of imagery, lots of metaphor, and so we're not always sure which parts of it to, to take literally, which parts of it to read um, uh, figuratively, to make it even more complicated, if you look at the whole discourse, there are parts of this, this teaching where Jesus is predicting the destruction of Jerusalem by the Roman armies in the first century. And there are other parts of it where he seems to be talking about that which will take place at the end of time. And again, we're not always sure which is which. It's kind of mixed together which parts of the discourse are talking about which times in history. So this passage is not easy to understand. What is clear, however, is that Jesus is saying that someday he will come back again. And we need to be ready for his return. He will come back. We need to be ready. Now, how do you get ready for the return of Jesus Christ? I mean, we know how to prepare for other things. You need to prepare for a test. You know what to do. You study, review your notes. You want to prepare for a trip, pack your bags. You want to prepare for retirement. You try to save a little money if you can. But, you know, we know how to do that in other areas. How do you prepare for the second coming of Jesus Christ? Well, in this passage, Jesus gives us, he gives us some basic instructions. 
about how to live our lives. And if we do this with his, his help, we will be ready. So what does he tell us? Well, one, one thing Jesus tells us, he says we need to be careful. Be careful. Verse 34 says, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. Now, that phrase, be careful, literally means pay attention to yourself. Pay attention to yourself. And that strikes me as, as interesting because a lot of people, when they start thinking about, talking about the end times and the end of the world, you know, what, what do they focus on? Well, they focus on what's happening in the newspapers or what's happening in the Middle East or what's happening in Jerusalem or what's happening in the White House. And, and, and Jesus says, hey, I've got an idea. Why don't you focus on what's happening in you? Right? Pay attention to yourself. He says, be careful. Why? Or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. Now, by carousing and drunkenness, I think Jesus basically means too much partying, right? In other words, you, you get overly focused on the fun things in life. Like all you can think about is the, the next trip to the mall or the latest sci-fi movie that's coming out or that new trendy restaurant down the street. I mean, it's not that those things are wrong, but drunkenness and carousing, I mean, it's, just, it's just too much. All you can think about are the fun things, right? When he says being weighed down by anxieties, I think he means you're, all you can think about are the hard things, the, uh, the worries, the deadlines, the bills, the conflicts, the problems. It's all you can think about. So Jesus is saying either way, whether all you can think about are the fun things or all you can think about are, are the hard things, he says either way, you need to be careful. Why? Because if you're not careful, you might find your hearts being weighed down. In other words, you might become so preoccupied, listen, with the weight of the present moment that you forget what's really important in life. Your hearts get weighed down, and, Je and Jesus says, suddenly that day will close on you like a trap. It's like that little mouse, man. That little mouse was so sure. That piece of cheese, he needed that cheese. That cheese looks so good. I need that cheese right now. And then wham. Suddenly the cheese didn't seem that important anymore, right? And Jesus, Jesus said, don't let that happen to you. Don't let that happen. Don't waste your life always angry about or always worried about or always chasing after Things that won't matter when Christ returns. I mean, they won't even matter five years from now, most of these things, right? He says, don't do that. Just be careful how you live. John, John Lennon of the Beatles, he said, life is what happens to you when you are busy making other plans, right? And, and Jesus said, don't waste your life. Be careful or your hearts will be weighed down. So he's saying, don't become so engrossed with this world that you're not even ready for the next one. So here, our question is, how do we prepare for the coming of Jesus Christ? One thing he says, he says, be careful. Another thing he says is, be prayerful. Beginning of verse 36, he says, All, be always on the watch and pray. So if you were to ask Jesus, Jesus, how can I be ready for your return? He would say, Pray, 
Now, that doesn't surprise you because the Bible always tells us to pray. A lot of places in, in the Bible, the, t- the Bible will tell us that we need to be praying for other people, praying intercessory prayers for others. For example, James 4 says, if someone is sick, you should pray for their healing. 1 John 5 says, if someone strays into sin, you should pray for their, their spiritual restoration. Romans 10 says, you should pray for the conversion of your unsaved loved ones. For 2 Corinthians 1 says, we should be praying for persecuted Christians. 1 Timothy 2 says, we should pray for those in positions of authority in the government. Matthew 9 says, we should be praying for God to be sending out missionaries into the world. Pray for missionaries. So throughout the Bible, we often read that we should be praying for the benefit of others, Right? Isn't it interesting? In this passage, however, Jesus says that the one who will benefit from your prayers is you. He says you need to be praying for your own sake. He says be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. So he says pray. This is for you. Now when he uses the word pray, The tense of the verb that Luke used here is one that indicates ongoing, continuous action. So Jesus is not talking about a one-time prayer meeting here. What's he talking about? He's talking about a consistent lifestyle of prayer. I wonder if you've ever known somebody like that. You just said, man, her life is prayer. or He's always praying. That's what, that's what Christ is talking about. He's saying, if you want to be ready for his, his return, you need to be consistently, constantly, daily connected with God through prayer. Why? Well, in, in Matthew chapter 24, some more teaching of Christ on the, on the end of time, Jesus tells us that as the end approaches, it will become increasingly difficult to live as a Christian in this world. It's going to get harder. Cultures will harden to the claims of the gospel. Uh, um, Societies will begin to reject the authority of God's word. you, You will look more and more like a fool if you follow Jesus Christ. And Jesus says that as this takes place, many people who profess faith in Christ will lose their passion for Jesus and fall away from the faith. Here's what he said, Matthew 24, 10 to 13. He said, at that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray each other and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most, not the love of a few or the love of some or even the love of many. Jesus says, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. So he's saying, as the last days approach, many people who at one time in their life called themselves Christians will walk away from their faith. In this passage, in Luke 21, Jesus says, if you don't want that to happen to you, you don't want to be one of those statistics. Jesus says, you must stay connected with God through prayer. Pray always, he says. Now here's what grabbed my attention about this passage. If you look earlier in in the chapter, you'll see these words were not addressed to the scribes and the Pharisees. Jesus here was not talking to the tax collectors and the sinners. 
these words were spoken to his disciples. To his disciples, he said, be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen. That you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. I think Christ is telling us that, that listen, as his, as his return approaches, prayerless, listen, prayerless Christians aren't going to make it. They won't. Corey ten Boom, a well-known Christian author and speaker, she wrote this. She said, when a Christian shuns fellowship with other Christians, the devil smiles. When a Christian stops studying the Bible, the devil laughs. But when a Christian stops praying, the devil shouts for joy. So if you look at the end of this passage, verse, verse 35 is telling, us, telling you, be careful so that you're not overly connected to the world. And then verse 36 says, and be prayerful so that you're very connected to God. This is the way Christ is telling us to live so that we're ready. Whenever he comes back, we're just like, I'm ready. He says, be careful, be prayerful. Then one more really important thing. He says, be hopeful. Be hopeful. Now, am I the only one? That, it seems to me that hope these days is in kind of in short supply. A lot, it just seems like a lot, there's this, this kind of cloud of hopelessness over a lot of people. Especially, I see it among the younger generation right now. They're telling us across the U.S. right now, one out of every three teenagers, one out of every four young adults suffers from some kind of anxiety disorder. They're just this, among the young people, this feeling of hopelessness. You can understand it. Our, our nation is getting deeper and deeper into debt. They're thinking, I'm going to have to pay my parents' bills someday for all this debt we're running up. That, that the infrastructure is crumbling with every passing day. It's getting more and more expensive to even dream of going to college. Very, very difficult to purchase a home. There are enough atomic weapons stockpiled in the world to wipe out all life on this planet within the next 30 minutes. The climate is changing. The oceans are rising. There's mass shootings taking place every single day. You understand why young people are thinking, my future doesn't look so bright. And a lot of other people, there's hopelessness, not because of what's happening in the world, but because of what's happened in their own life. Hearts have been broken. Dreams have been shattered. And it sounds to me a lot like what Jesus says at the end of verse 25. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. It's just a lot of people feeling hopeless. But guys, I want you to hear what Jesus says to his people, anyone, everyone trusting him. This is what he, are you trusting Jesus? This is what he says to you. You don't have any reason Christian, you don't have any reason to feel hopeless at all. Why? Well, one reason, Jesus says this. He says, no matter what happens in this world and no matter what the world says, the word of Jesus Christ will always stand as true. No matter what book is right now being written in the academy or what, 
what things are being said in pop culture doesn't matter. The word of Jesus Christ will stand. Verse 33, heaven and earth will pass away, Jesus says, but my world will never pass away. He was a poor carpenter about to be killed in a few days. He said this to a bunch of poor fishermen. They're thinking, your word will never pass away? 2,000 years later, we're still talking about his word. And if he delays another thousand years in coming, there will still be people on this planet gathering to worship him and listen to his word. His word will not pass away. So Christian, he says, you be hopeful. Be hopeful. Another reason to be hopeful is because no matter how bad things get in this world, or listen, how bad things might get in your life, Jesus says that when he comes back again, listen, it's going to be okay. It's all going to be okay. Verse 27, 28, he says, At that time they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up. Lift up your heads, throw back your shoulders, pull up your socks, because your redemption is drawing near. Like he says, I don't care how bad it gets, when I come back, it's going to be okay. Philippians 4, Paul said, listen, he said this, the Lord is near. Don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. He's coming back. I, was, I visited a community group this week um, where they were studying this, this passage, and someone in the group had an insight into this passage I had never seen before, and I just, lo I just loved it. So that, shout out to Christine Choi, Jeffrey's wife. Now I know why Jeffrey always sounds so smart in the pulpit because she tells him what to say. But this, this, was, this was her insight. I never thought of this. If you look at verse 29 to 31, Jesus tells a parable about trees, right? And, and the point of the parable is that we are to be observing what's happening in our world. And when we see things changing, we know that, that he's coming back soon. And, and so the parable, he says, it's like when you look at the trees and you see the leaves starting to grow, you know that um, the, the season is going to change and summer is here, right? And, and the, her, her insight was this. Jesus, he could have told uh, the parable differently and still made the very same point. I mean, the point is, you know, when, when the trees change, the, the new season is coming. And, he, and so Jesus could have said, when you see the leaves turn brown and dry out, shrivel up, fall to the ground and die, you know the deep freeze of winter is almost here, right? He could have he could, said the same idea. Look at the trees, you know season's going to change. But he didn't tell it that way, did he? Jesus did not describe the coming of the kingdom as, as if it's the onset of winter when everything's about to die. He, that's not the picture. Jesus described the coming of the kingdom as the advent of spring when new life, real life, is about to begin. That, why? Guys, because when he comes back again, that's when, that's when the party starts. That's when the real life begins. I, mean, I know that a lot of people just feel maybe lots of uh, disappointment in life or lots of heartbreak and say, you know, my life stinks. My life is so messed up. Where, where did my life go off the rails? You know what, Christian, Jesus says to you, your real life didn't even start yet. This is just the warm-up for the game. The real life begins when Jesus returns. Amen? 
If you, if you read those books, um, some of you have the um, Chronicles of Narnia, these adventure tales, this fantasy world of these children and the, and the great lion Aslan and all the imagery about Christ and God's redemptive plan for the world. And you get to the very last page of the very last book. All the adventures are finished and you're expecting it to end by saying what? The end. And then at the end of the book, C.S. Lewis says, no, this is just the beginning. Here's where the true story begins. He says, the story which goes on forever and in which every chapter is better than the one before it. When Jesus Christ comes back, Christian, that's when your real life begins. So no matter how dark it is right now, he says, will you stand up? Will you lift up your head? Would you be hopeful? It won't be long. It won't be long. Coming back again. Be ready. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, come soon. Help your church to be ready. Amen.